given Bible. Our God, aren't you glad God gave you a Bible? Yeah. Um, and uh, learning about our God-given Bible and uh, answering a number of questions as we go through this series. I was talking to Brother James uh, before church. I'm going to ask you to stand with me for a little bit, if you would. And I, I told him, I said, Brother, I don't know how long the media guys, you know, kind of want to understand, hey, is this going to be something we're going to make into a series and put it in a, what do you call it, playlist or, yeah, uh, all that stuff. And uh, I, I said, yeah, that's great. Uh, I have no idea how long this is going to be. I'm just trying to explore this subject until God says you're done. Uh, and so until then, we're going to be exploring this. And I thought, how fitting would it be to just start in the first book of the Bible, Amen. in the first chapter of the Bible, uh, to see how God f- was faithful with his word from the very beginning. So the, the title to this, the study tonight is The Word of God versus The Word of God versus The Words of God. Now, you may not understand everything I mean by that. I'm going to explain it, and, uh, uh, but, but there's a difference between the Word of God and the Word of God and the words of God, all right? And so we're going to get into that, and hopefully what I, what I want more than anything else is I want you guys to walk away with a renewed sense of gratitude for your Bible yeah. more than anything else. Uh, you pick this book up, and God speaks to you, and it's a supernatural connection between you and God. Uh, when a loved one dies and you're looking for comfort, there's nothing like going to this book. When, when a, a, a wayward child forsakes the Lord and your heart is broken over that, when there's an issue within your marriage and your heart is broken in a million people, whatever the case might be in your life, when it's a, a financial pressure, listen, I've got nothing to give you outside of what is found in this book right here. And so uh, looking at that is very important to understand that you can have confidence in the word of God and in his words. I look at Genesis chapter 1, uh, starting in verse 1. In the beginning, God. <laughs> That's, uh, in, in, it's not in the beginning or far off in a galaxy far, far away. In a place that we don't know. It's something happened. We don't know what it was. And there was an explosion and no one saw it. But we believe it by faith. And you Christians are idiots. No, 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 none of that. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And this is what I want you to look at in verse 3, these three words. And God, what? Let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight. Father, we ask for your blessing on the Word. God, thank you for the book that we have. God, thank you for your words. Thank you for your promises. Thank you, Lord, that we can lean on your words and trust the Scriptures that you gave us. Lord, I pray that your people would be... um, Lord, emboldened in their confidence and in their faith in your words. God, that they would lean on this book harder and more often and more frequently. And Lord, go to this as as we read about in that prayer letter. Lord, when, when you're trying to figure out whether you should move your family across the world, what do you do? You ask God, Lord, you get on your knees and you pray to you, Lord, and you, you pour your heart out to you, Father, and then you open up your words and, and we read them and let them just spill into our hearts. God, I pray that you would help us to see why this is so important. Lord, we love you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Be seated if you would. Uh, let, let me say this. There is a difference between the living Word of God Uh, the person of the Word of God, and the Word of God as we relate to it as the Bible, the Scriptures. And we're going to look at that in just a moment. Uh, It's very important to understand that. Uh, You guys need to understand that some people, when they say that the Word of God is perfect, what they're actually talking about is John chapter 1. And look at John chapter 1, if you would. And there's nothing wrong with acknowledging that the title of Jesus Christ before he was the begotten son and came down to this earth and was born as a baby, that his title was the word of God. When he comes back in the second coming on that white horse, the, the title that, that he is referred to is the word of God. Uh, however, I want to make sure you understand, there is a difference between the word of God, capital W, and the Word of God in reference to the book, the Bible, that you have in your lap. Look at John chapter 1. Look, if you would, at verse number 1. In the beginning was the what? And the Word was with God, and the Word was what? Obviously, that's a reference to Jesus Christ. Look at verse 3. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Now, now why, would it, why would it be that the Lord would refer to Himself as the Word of God? Think about this. The first thing that God does to kick off all of creation is God what? He speaks. 
And when God speaks his words, things start to happen. Creation is sparked by the word of God. That is the spoken word of God. So then when the Lord refers to himself and he gives himself a title that you can relate to because God is a communicator, and we'll look at that in a moment. When he gives himself a title, he goes, look, I am the word. I am the revelation of God Almighty in human form to mankind. All right, and we acknowledge that. Look, if you would, at Revelation chapter number 19. Revelation chapter number 19. Uh, we acknowledge that Jesus Christ is, in fact, called the Word of God. Uh, and that's, that's, a, that's an, an amazing title that's given to him. And we, we acknowledge that the reason for that is, is that God revealed himself through his Son. We'll look at some verses on that. But I want to be very clear. There, there's, there's no doubt if you're a Christian that you would look at Jesus Christ and say, there's a man that never sinned. Therefore, he is what? Pure and perfect. We would acknowledge that in regards to the word of God as a person. Look at Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. Look if you would at verse 13. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the what? The Word of God. Clearly, that is His title. Go back to John chapter 1. John, Go back right where we were just a second ago. John chapter 1. Look at verse number 14. John chapter 1, verse 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. There's no doubt that when you look at the title of Jesus Christ, especially as it relates to His eternal title, that his eternal title is the Word, capital W, Word of God. What you need to understand is this. There are a lot of preachers out there who say, oh yeah, we believe that the Word of God is perfect. And what they're actually saying is, we believe Jesus Christ is perfect. You know what? I would say amen. <laughs> amen. However, that's not the only word that is perfect. And I want to show you that in just a moment. He's the only man that is perfect. I'm not speaking blasphemy here. I'm trying to give you some reference to understand. Some people, they're real sly about how they present this. Oh, we believe that the word of God is perfect. Well, in reference to a person, amen to that. But what about this right here? Is this perfect? Can I trust what it says? How do I know? Look at Proverbs chapter number 30. Proverbs chapter, actually, go, I'm sorry, you're closer to Hebrews. Look at Hebrews 4. Hebrews chapter number 4. The Word, capital W, versus the Word, little w. Hebrews chapter 4, capital W in your Bible is always a reference to the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, look at Hebrews chapter number 4. Hebrews chapter 4, look at verse number 12. Notice, is this a lowercase or a uppercase W? For the Word of God, what is it lowercase? For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You know what that's talking about? That's talking about God's mind revealed to man. The word of God. And yes, Jesus Christ, it's eerily similar to the character qualities that you find in Jesus Christ. Jesus could look at somebody and go, I know what you're thinking. Remember when he's talking to the, uh, to the woman at the well? And he goes, Thou hast rightly said thou hast no husband. Thou hast had five husbands, and the man who, with whom thou is, are with now is not thy husband. Remember that? What's he doing? He's looking inside that woman's heart and mind and soul and reading her like a... And you know what this book can do in your life as well? That's why you don't pick it up sometimes, because it's like a mirror, and it's reading you like a book. <laughs> The Word of God, little w, is, it's referenced as something being alive and powerful in your life. All right, look, if you would, at Proverbs chapter number 30. Proverbs 30. So we see there's a distinction at the very beginning. We're going to see this over and over in this study tonight. There's a distinction between the person of the Word of God, Jesus Christ, and, and, and the, the, the Word of God in reference to the Scriptures contained in a volume in a book. All right, And I'm going to show you some scriptures within your Bible that reference the fact of, of God's uh, method of revelation. God first speaks the word. That's what he did in the what? Beginning. In the beginning, he spoke and things came alive. 
All right? And, and so then what we see is, we're going to find this out, is that when God speaks, it is on our part, God supernaturally moved men to speak those words to other men so that they would eventually be uh, written in a book and preserved for us. Look at uh, uh, Proverbs chapter number 30. Look, if you would, at verse number 5. Let me ask you, uh, what's the, the first two words in that, in that verse? Every word of God is what? Well, I know my Savior's pure. Are you telling me that every word of God is pure? Either it is or it isn't. All right, well, let, let me ask you this. If, if, if there are words, for example, let me just throw this out there. Uh, I, I think we're probably at least in agreement on this. Uh, I saw, I mentioned this on Sunday. I saw a, a I think it was a man, uh, get up and say, and I'll try, I'm not trying to be funny when I say this stuff. I'm really not. It may be funny, but I'm not trying to be. I think it was a man that got up and said, God is queer. God is straight. God is a woman. God is a man. God is black. God is white. God is, a, God is you and you are God. And then he tried to quote some of the scripture. And when he did, it was eerie because what he quoted was not from that book. It was from another book. And it almost sounded like it justified what the man was saying. So let me ask you a question. If there was a book that justified that kind of mentality, would those words be pure? All right, well, then we need to go back here and remember this. Uh, and, and we talked about the tale of two cities, and we talked about basically uh, Alexandria and Antioch and how these modern Bibles all come from Alexandria. Listen, this was found in the 1400s. This was in the Vatican. This was found in the 1800s in a trash can in a monastery. Are you going to tell me that God had his words hid from all of the church for all the church history for 1400 years and you didn't find the words of God until 1800? Are you kidding me? That's your explanation for advanced revelation? That's a joke. And so this is where you get every modern Bible today. And there's only one book that comes from Antioch and it's right there. And it's the one that you got. So listen, you gotta you gotta understand that if if you don't okay, here's a question. Uh, recently, it's just recently come out that uh, eh, well maybe COVID did come from a lab in Wuhan. <laughs> maybe it wasn't bats that somehow you know bit people and eh, whatever, and and then they got COVID or whatever. Maybe it did come from a lab, and I don't care about any of that stuff. I really don't, Look, guys. I, I, the only reason I use that as an illustration is because two years ago, if you said that you're a conspiracy theorist. Now, if NBC says it, okay, then it must be. Okay. And so why why am I mentioning that? Because the people that did not want to acknowledge that a few years ago, why did they not want to acknowledge that? Because they didn't want to be connected. You say, why? If you find the root, you can find out what the fruit is. If you can get to where the source of that thing is coming from, you can tell what's going to come from it. And you can also often tell what the motive behind the individuals involved with it were. And so let's put COVID aside for a moment. Let me ask you this. What would the motives be behind this compared to that? If every word of God is pure and you start muddying the waters, you've got to ask yourself, who's behind that? And I ain't talking about Dr. Fauci anymore, all right? I'm, I'm now talking about someone that's a lot more important, someone that cares about destroying everything in your life that's right. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. And he's very, very interested in the words of God. Even if you're not, let me tell you who is, the devil. Very interested. All right, you know what Jesus Christ said? I'm the true vine and my father's the, the husbandman. He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. So if you're plugged into Jesus Christ, you can have the right kind of fruit, right? And if you're not plugged into Jesus Christ, you shall know them by their fruits. Okay, well, there you go. If you can get to the root of the, uh, of the matter, you can kind of tell where this thing leads in the end. Uh, let, let me ask you this, this question real quickly. Uh, a couple questions. Did God, did God speak or is God silent? Okay. If God spoke, what did he actually say? Yeah. Either you know it or you don't. Either you have it or you don't. All right, let me ask you this question. If God spoke, was it written down? Well, if it was written down, do you have it or you not? Well, that's very different kind of attitude than, you know, um, you know uh, really uh, godly scholars have this to say about this verse. And it was really interesting. So I was meeting with someone the other day. Oh, Brother Sian, was it you in the reference in the Schofield Bible? Was that what it was? And the, do you have that with you real quick? Can, can I borrow that real quick? 
Guys, remember on Sunday how I, I quoted to you 1 John chapter 5, verse 7? These three bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Remember that? And I showed you from the pulpit, I read you from a Greek text, and I gave you the manuscript evidence, and I showed you that the majority of texts, the majority of manuscripts that are out there, thousands of them, agreed that that should have been there. I told you about a church father, I, I, I mean, Tertullian, maybe it was, uh, 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 Hippolytus, is that who it was? Uh, no, that's a different one. This one's Tertullian. Hippolytus was another one. Uh, Hippolytus was the one, uh, we talked about that verse, and I forget what it is. But, but look at First John 5, uh, verse 7, real quickly, and, and, and read it for yourself. And then let me read this note to you. Let me ask you a question. When I say, thus saith the Lord, I'm either lying or I'm telling you the truth. Either God said or he didn't. You go, well, I mean, it's kind of the general idea. Okay, how about this? You tell me if you're okay with your kids repeating back the general idea of what they thought you said when you told them to do something. Why is that funny to you? But when it comes to God's eternal words, you're like, man, it's just kind of whatever. This is not about King James versus everyone. This is about whether or not you have the words of God. That's it. That's what this is about. All right. First John 5, 7. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. Now, let me ask you a question. Is this truly that hard of a concept compared to the rest of the Bible? How about the baptism of Jesus Christ? The Son is being baptized, the Spirit of God descends like a dove, and the Father speaks from heaven. This is not a new concept in the Bible. God said, let us make man in our image. God's talking to God. All right, well, that's not a new concept. So why would someone have a hard time with that? Here's what Schofield's notes, and Schofield's a great man, good man of God, a lot of good stuff that he said, but here's the note that's in his Bible. It is generally agreed that verse 7 has no real authority and has been inserted. Based on who? Who's generally agreed on this? Now, some Christian reads that note, they go, well, I guess someone added that. I guess it didn't need to be in there. Well, no, 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 someone took it out and then tried to convince you that it didn't belong there. Those are two different things. Now, now, what am I getting into this? Because you guys have been taught that it's, you guys have been sold on this idea. It's the these and the thous, and we're going to make it easier for you to understand. It has nothing to do. Tell me how that makes it easier to understand your Bible by taking that verse out. All right, here, here's another one. Look at, uh, I know some of you know this already. That's fine. Look at Acts chapter number 8 real quickly. Acts chapter number 8. Acts chapter 8, and uh, you know the story, it's about the Ethiopian eunuch, and brother uh, ben, ben and I were talking about, uh, man, you, you don't want to be a eunuch, that's a hard job. Uh, each, <laughs> Acts chapter number 8, and uh, yeah, Acts chapter 8, there's some young men I've wanted to make eunuchs. <laughs> Amen. Some of you need to keep your hands to yourself. Uh, Acts chapter number 8, uh, amen, amen, amen. <laughs> Don't amen me, I'll amen myself. (laughs) Acts chapter 8, and uh, look if you would at uh, verse number 36. And Brother Joe, would you stand up and read verse number 36 and verse 37 nice and loud for us, please? Chapter 8. You're in chapter 7, buddy. Hey, here you go. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Did you notice verse 37 is kind of instrumental to understanding that you don't get baptized until you believe? Faith precedes baptism. All right. Um, This is from the, uh, let's see here. I got to find it. This is from the, uh, no, that's not the, yeah. This is the Amplified Bible. And what it has here. And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, if you have a conviction full of joyful trust that Jesus is the Messiah, accept him as the author of your salvation, the kingdom of God, giving him your obedience, then you may. And he supplied, I do believe Jesus Christ, Son of God. Obedience? You mean like I got to do something? 
you just add it to the words of God. How about New World Translation uh, from your friendly Jehovah's Witnesses? Acts chapter 8, verse 36. Look, a body of water. What prevents me from getting baptized? Dash. With that, he commanded the chariot to halt. Sorry, dash is verse 37. It's gone. Just has a dash there. Oh, yeah. We're going to get into the, amp- the uh, message. This is the, <laughs> this is the best. This is, this is good stuff right here. Acts chapter 8. Let's see here. Verse number. Oh, there's no verse mark. This is the worst. Um, all right. Let's see here. <laughs> Here's water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the chariot to stop. They both went down the water, and Philip baptized them on the spot. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of God suddenly took Philip off. There's no reference to him needing to believe in Jesus Christ. And I could go on. And let me ask you, how does it make your Bible easier to understand? This isn't about that, guys. It's never been about that. Just like tolerance and acceptance isn't about tolerance and acceptance. It's about something else. Uh, You need to understand that God either gave his words or he didn't. Look at Genesis chapter 1. Go to Genesis 1. I'm going to show you that in the very beginning, God's very active in communicating. And he communicates a lot. And then the devil shows up. And it's interesting what the devil has to say about God's communication. Look at Genesis chapter 1. Look at verse number 3. I know some of you have been through this before, but it's good to go through it again. Verse 3, and God said, look at verse number 5, and God called. Look at verse number 6, God said. Verse number 8, God called. Verse number 9, God, read it, God said. Look at it for yourself. Verse number 10, God called. Verse number 11, God said. Verse 14, God said. Verse 20, God said. You know what God's doing? God's speaking to nothing and stuff's showing up. He's speaking to creation and he's witnessing to creation to bring life to creation that is not there. It is energy, first law of thermodynamics, being transferred from one source to another, right? And and, and so look if you would at Genesis 1, verse number uh, 22, verse 22. You know what God said to creation, to the animals? God blessed them, saying, be fruitful and multiply, fill the waters and the seas, let fowl multiply in the earth in the evening and morning, where the fifth day, verse 24, and God said, verse 26, and God said, let us make man in our image. Up to this point, God has been communicating with nothing, and something has showed up as a result of him communicating to nothing. Now God is speaking to himself, all right? Get a hold of that. Now God is, you go, well, that's weird. You ever talk to yourself? Usually you don't have great things to say, but God, when he says stuff to himself, it's really good, amen? And, and, and so God says, let us make man in our image. So God is now speaking to himself. We see him speaking to creation. Then he speaks to himself. Uh, look, if you would, at verse number 28. After he makes man, God bless him, and God said unto them, unto them, who's them? Adam and Eve. This is the synopsis of the creation story of man and woman that is given more detail in chapter 2. But here we see that God speaks to creation, then he speaks to himself, then he speaks to mankind. The entire chapter is about God talking and God speaking his words and life coming from his words. Look, if you would, at chapter number 2. God speaks to man in verse number 16 and verse 17 about the commandment, about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Do you see that? Uh, Look, if you would, at uh, chapter 3, after God does all that talking, and God has talked to creation, and God has talked to himself, and God has talked to mankind. Now now you see who shows up in chapter 3. Look at the very first verse, and the very first thing that the devil questions is whether God actually said something. You know what the devil's job is in your life? Did God really say that? I mean, is it really, is that really that big of a deal? Did God actually say, the question tonight is not even about so much the the name, the King James Bible. The question is, did God say these words or not? And if, if 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 he didn't say these words, you don't have the right word of God. And if God did speak these words, then you have to acknowledge there's something unique about what God gave you in your lap. It is not the same as every other book. Let me say this. 
God speaks to Adam. He speaks to Noah. He speaks to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses. Look at Exodus chapter number 3. Look at Exodus chapter number 3. Go one book over to the right. You know what it says in Acts 14? Who in times past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness. In other words, God gave us a witness of himself. Uh, Look at Exodus 3, when God uh, deals with Moses and he calls Moses. Can I point out to you that the way God speaks to mankind is the way that we speak to each other. It's what separates us from the animal kingdom. We use words, they don't. They use noises and sounds and colors and, and mating calls and things like that. Not, you know, anymore. It's a, you know, any, anyway, anyways, get out of that. But emojis, you know, for the same thing these days. But, but as far as the, what separates us is we are made in the image of God and we speak words when we want to talk with the rest of creation around us. This is what makes us different. This is why when Jesus shows up, he is called the word of God. And this is why God said that he promised to inspire and give his words to mankind and then told man to write them in a book. You have them or you don't. Look at Exodus chapter 3. Look at verse number 1. Exodus 3 verse 1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. When I read that, all I can think of is hee-haw or something like that. Some of you guys don't know what he, who knows what hee-haw is? Raise your hand. Okay, all right. All right. The priest of Midian, unless it's on TikTok, you people don't know a lot of you. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. That's Mount Horeb. That same is Mount Sinai, similar to Mount Sinai there. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire, the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, "I want." You know, what Moses doing in verse three, he's talking to himself. You get that? And he's talking to himself, and he says, I will stop what I'm doing and look into this. And what you have to learn to do is acknowledge that this is different than every other bush you've ever come across. This one's on fire, and it is not consumed. And you, hey, listen, you want God to speak to you? Do what Moses did. Stop what you're doing and turn aside from the rest of your life and look into the bush. And look what happens in verse 4. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, like you might do at 530 in the morning, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and what? Said. God spoke with Moses. And of course, we have those words now written. Here's what I'm trying to get across. God has always left a witness on this earth. Uh, If you were to look at Romans chapters 1, 2, and 3, what you'd find out is that God speaks to us through creation, Romans chapter 1. And then God speak to us, speaks to us through our conscience, Romans chapter 2. Every one of these is progressive revelation, meaning this. I can look at the stars in the sky, and I can see. The Bible says that, that uh, 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 night unto night utter a speech, right? It, it talks about the fact that the heavens declare the glory of God. And when you look up there, those stars are speaking, and that sun is speaking, and those constellations speak, and they point to a creator, I can look up there and I can see there's a creator. Do I know that that creator died for me and was buried and rose again by looking at the stars? No, I don't. But I start there. And if I start with that, I go, there's a God up there and I owe him respect and reverence and there's things that I do that aren't right. And from there, I start looking internally. And I look at another voice of God speaking through my conscience. And you know what that conscience can do? That conscience can tell me uh, there's something wrong with me. I'm broken. I am not right. And whoever made all this is higher than me, but I don't yet know how to get to him. And so in Romans chapter 3, it talks about the oracles, oral, the oracles of God. And those oracles that were written down so that we could have them in our life. In other words, it's progressive going from looking up at the stars and going, there is a God. I'm not right. I'm not like him. And then lastly, I go deeper and I've got to go to the written word for me to understand God's plan of salvation. Does that make sense? And so it's progressive. And so I can look at the stars, I can see general revelation, I can look internally and see general revelation, but I don't see supernatural revelation until I get the words of God in my hand. And this is what we're talking about. 
As it relates to God's choice, we don't question the cross. We don't question the church. We don't question the commission. Why would we, commission, why would we question the words of God? That, that's really the issue. What did God say? Can we trust what he said? Where are those words? Look, if you would, at uh, Deuteronomy chapter 17. Deuteronomy 17. Deuteronomy 17. You know what God does? God speaks those words. Then holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. All right? Uh, no prophecy of the scriptures of any private interpretation, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Why? Because all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. We looked at that the last time we looked at this, that you either have the scriptures or you don't. If you do, they're the inspired words of God. All right? And, and people get all kinds of wonky about, you know, uh, was it inspired in 16? Listen, guys, it was inspired when God gave it. And you know what God did? He preserved those inspired words for us so we could have them today. <laughs> and so the idea is, is simply this. In order for us to get supernatural revelation, we cannot simply look at the stars. We cannot simply look internally. We've got to get to where his words are written. Look at, look at Deuteronomy 17. Look at verse number 14. Deuteronomy 17, verse 14. And notice there's a reference to a book. All right, look at verse 14. When thou art come to the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, and shall possess it, and shall dwell therein, and shall say, no, that's not it. Deuteronomy, ah, I'm sorry, Exodus. Guys, I'm so sorry. I said Deuteronomy, Exodus chapter 17, forgive me. No, that wasn't, that's a great verse, but that ain't it. Exodus 17, look at verse number 14. The Lord said unto Moses, write this for a memorial in a what? What's he writing? He's writing the experience you just had, and eventually that becomes part of the book of Exodus that you're reading right now. So he says, write it in a book. Why does God say that? Because you have to go to a source that does not change. Now, I'm going I'm to give you a little bit in a, in a moment here. Uh, you know, I'll just jump into it right now. Um, after World War I, there was something called neo-orthodoxy that became very popular. A guy named uh, Barth, Karl Barth, was the one that kind of was the, the, the spearhead uh, kind of voice of that movement, if you will. And it was an attempt to go back to uh, uh, things that were considered uh, scriptural, but it also opened the door to accepting some ideology that wasn't necessarily biblical. Well, you're, you're now beyond that. You know where you're at now? They call this the postmodern church. You say, what does that mean? Well, uh, basically... I'll read this to you. Let me read it to you. The postmodern church. Postmodern Christianity falls in line with basic postmodernist thinking. It's about experience over reason, subjectivity over objectivity, spirituality over religion, images over words. Who would want you to look at images more than words? Let me just say this right now. God himself warned you over and over and over and over about images. And he tells you, read my words, study my words, hide my words in your heart. It's about a battle between images versus words. When the Antichrist shows up, what is he going to use to deceive the entire world? You know what you're getting right now? A generation that can't read. And they don't read books unless they're made to. You know why? Because it's done on purpose. You know who's behind that? The devil. He wants you, that's why you're scrolling through images all day long and not learning to read. <laughs> and God says, read, read, study the scriptures, search the scriptures. You know what he says? He says, give attendance to what? To reading. You don't read images, you read words. And so the postmodernist is basically this. It is a line of thinking that says, if it feels good, then God's in it. I like the experience, therefore God is a part of it. I don't necessarily think the words matter that much. All that matters is what I can see and I can experience. That's not biblical. This, this line of thinking is not biblical. You, you know what God does? God inspires men. And you know what they do? They write those words in a book. And God, look, if you would, at uh, Deuteronomy 17. Now go to Deuteronomy 17. Deuteronomy 17, look, if you would, at verse number 18. You're going to see this over and over and over. Deuteronomy 17, verse 18, And it shall be when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom, this will be the first king of Israel, 
that he should write him a copy of this law in a book. You say, why did he do that? So he could go back and reference it and look up what God said. So he wouldn't make the mistakes that most kings make. Listen, you know what? God's called you to be a king and a priest, Revelation chapter 5. You know how you don't make the same mistakes that everybody else makes? You go back to the book. You know, you know what God did? He inspired those words. He gave those words. The words were spoken here on earth, and then they were written in a book. Or they weren't. I believe they were. Now, you say, why? Because God promised to give them to us and to preserve them forever. Now, the word is perfect, yes, in reference to Jesus Christ. But the word is also perfect right here. Let me, let me give you some things to think about. Uh, we already ex- explored who the Word is as the person. It's Jesus Christ. Uh, look at Luke chapter number 8. Luke chapter 8. You know what the Word is? It's a living person, Jesus Christ. You know what the Word is? It is a spoken and written form of communication from God. Look at Luke chapter number 8. Luke 8. And notice the seed is called the Word of God. Luke chapter 8, verse 11. Now the parable is this. The seed is the what? Capital or lowercase? All right, it's the reference to God's Word as we would understand it. The, the Word of God, the revelation of God to mankind in written form. We would call that today the Bible. All right, those by the wayside are they that hear, then come with the devil and take away the Word out of their hearts. That's the devil's job lest they should believe and be saved. Uh, then they are on the rock, are they which, he, when they he, well, which when they hear, receive the what? The word with joy. And these have no root, which uh, for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. And that which fell among thorns are they, which when they have heard, go forth and are choked with care, so on and so forth. The idea is simply this, guys. In reference to the seed, it is clearly the word of God, and it is something that is spoken. Can we agree on that? Because they're hearing the word. Look at Matthew chapter number four. So we understand the word of God is in, in reference to God's revelation of mankind is something that is uh, spoken so that people can hear it, but it's also something, get a hold of this, that is written. Remember when Jesus Christ is tempted in the wilderness? Look at Matthew chapter number four. Matthew four. Matthew chapter four, look if you would. At uh, verse number four, but he answered and said, what are the next three words? All right, uh, look if you would at verse number six. And he said to him, if thou be the son of God, cast thyself down. And you know what the devil tries to do? He tries to quote the scripture and he takes it out of context. Look at verse seven. Jesus said unto him, it is what? It is written again. All right, look at verse uh, number uh, 10. Then say Jesus unto him, get thee hence Satan for, what are the next three words? So the word of God is not just something that is spoken verbally. It's something that's written. It's something that you can go to and you can find and you can reference. Uh, Look at Psalm chapter 40. This is a prophecy about Jesus Christ. And notice what Jesus says in prophecy about himself in reference to where you can find out about the prophecy of Jesus Christ. Look at Psalm chapter number 40. Psalm chapter 40. Look, if you would. In other words, I don't. It's not just a matter that God spoke these words into the ether and they've been lost ever since. It's that God spoke these words and he inspired men to speak these words to other men and they were written down. And what God did is he preserved them for us in a singular place where you could go to them and find God's word. Either he did or he didn't. If he did do that, which is what he promised to do, if he did do that, then the question remains, where are those words? Do I have the word of God today or not? Look at Psalm 40, look at verse 7. Psalm 40, verse 7. Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the what? It is what? Of me. You want to know about God? You know where you go? Well, I can look up at the stars and I can worship God in nature. You can go so far with that. I can, I can, I can follow my conscience. So far, there's a, to an extent, you can learn a little bit about God that way. But man, you want to go to God? You go to the volume of the book where it's written about him. And that's where you go. Look at, uh, oh, let's see here, uh, Hebrews. Hebrews chapter number, uh, Hebrews chapter number one. Hebrews chapter one, we'll come back to Psalms in just a moment. Talking about the word of God, little w. The word of God is something that is spoken, yes, but it is also something that is written, and we can go to it and find it in a book that references the character and the person of God. Uh, Hebrews chapter number one. Hebrews chapter one. 
Now, guys, I, I could, I, I, for me to try to cram everything, I, there's a lot in my head in, on this subject, and to try to get it all into one night, it, it would leave you dizzy. What I'm trying to simply do right now is this. I'm trying to point to the fact that the Word of God, Jesus Christ, is perfect, yes. But the Word of God in written form is also perfect, yes. And the reason why it's perfect, and we're going to see this in a moment, is because the Word of God, all right, the book contains the, the very words of God. And if they don't, then we have a problem. Look at Hebrews chapter number 1, and look, if you would, at verse number 1. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his what? Look at verse 3. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the what? Word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. You've got both the word, the living word, verse number two, in the person of Jesus Christ, and the word, the word of God, the revelation of God to mankind, there in verse number three. Uh, look at Psalm 68. One more time, and, uh, as we're looking at the, the idea of the word of God. God's revelation to mankind in a book. Psalm chapter 68, there are a lot of questions that people have, uh, and, and, I, and I get it. I've had these questions myself. Well, you know, is it right for me to say I have the perfect word of God in my language when someone else doesn't? Uh, let me ask you this question. Uh, was it fair that God gave it in Hebrew in the Old Testament only? You can argue with God whether it's fair or not. Was it fair that he gave it in Greek originally? When people say, well, you can't say the perfect word of God because it's only one language, what about when he gave it in Greek? What about when he gave it in Hebrew? Now, you, you know, in the Old Testament, you know who God was dealing with? One nation. You want to go to God, you go through the Jew. When God gave it in Greek, do you realize what he did? He gave it in the common language of the, of the, the civilized world at that time. Do you, think maybe, do you think maybe God knew the trade language in the end times for the last 700 years before he would come back and set his foot on this earth again? would be English. I didn't say, listen, you can extrapolate all kinds of things I'm not saying. I'm simply saying, I think God knew what he's doing when he preserved this Bible for us. Uh, Look at Psalm 68. Look, if you would, at verse number 11. Psalm 68, verse 11. Who gave the word? He either did or he didn't. Great was the company of those that what? So you know what the word of God is? The word of God is something that is spoken, when we talk about the revelation of God to mankind, and it is also written, and it's published. Great was the company of those that published it. All right, well, you know why it's great? You know why that this, this book is the, the very word of God? Because it contains the words of God. Look at Psalm chapter 12. Psalm chapter 12. It's not just the general idea. God doesn't want just, well, here's my general idea. Just kind of get my general idea. No, no, no. Every word, do you believe that verse or not? Every word of God is pure. And if that is truth, and I believe that it is, if that is truth, then what that means is I don't need to change it. Because what God did is he preserved it for me. Psalm chapter 12, look at verse 6. The words, the words, the words, the, underline it, not just the word, the words, plural, the words of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times, thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation. How long? You know what God said? Basically, I would always have a witness of myself on this earth in my words where you, mankind could get to it. And what I'm telling you right now is for you, it's this book right here. These are the words. Now, look at, uh, look at Psalm 119. You either have to come to grips with it, you believe what you're reading in your Bible, or you don't. And if you do believe it, then you have to come to grips with the fact that this is not the same as the other books that are out there. Psalm 119, look if you would at verse 140. You know, God, you know, God, you know what Jesus Christ never did? He never said in the originals. He never said, well, you guys didn't translate this right, and therefore it should be this. You know what he said? He says, it is written, thus saith the Lord. It is written, thus saith the Lord. It is written, thus saith the Lord. He spoke with authority. You know who didn't speak with authority? The Pharisees. And I'm really this close to preaching a message about them on Sunday. 
And I'll tell you this about the Pharisees. They're really good about exerting themselves as the authority because they put themselves above the word of God. Look at Psalm 119. Look, if you would, at verse 140. Thy word is very what? It is or it isn't. Every word of God is pure. It is or it isn't. Look at Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24. Understand this as well. As you go to Matthew 24, let me just remind you that his word forever is settled in heaven. But what God did is he spoke those words. And he spoke those words to men on the earth. And then he told those men to write those words down. You know where God said he would preserve his words in a furnace of earth? Here. You know what that tells me? They're here. Because <laughs> right. he said they were here. Either they are or they aren't. Well, if they are, then I can tell you this much. When someone starts taking scissors to your Bible and taking verses out, those aren't pure words. And when someone starts mixing faith and telling you that, listen, you're, you're in your Bible, in Acts chapter number 8, it says, I, uh, 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 Dost thou believe that Jesus Christ is Son of God? I believe, you know, and he says, I, he makes a profession of faith, and then he baptizes him. He didn't say anything about obedience. That other book added obedience. You know why? That's works getting added to your salvation. That's not God's pure words. Well, then ask yourself, who's behind that? Uh, look at Matthew 24. Look at verse number 35. Matthew 24, verse 35. You guys getting tired yet? Look at verse 35. Some of you are lying. Amen. Uh, <laughs> look at verse 34. Uh, Verily I say to you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Yeah. You know, basically what God's saying is so many, in so many words is that even going out into eternity, His words will be preserved. From, from, from when he gave those words, because those words are a reflection of the living God. And he himself is pure. And when he gives those words, he gives them purely to mankind. And yes, there are those who corrupt the word of God. We'll look at that in a moment. But when God gave those words, he promised to preserve them. Let me ask you a question. Anyone that has a problem with the idea that God would use men to preserve his words, did he not use David to write the words? Was not David a murderer and an adulterer? The biggest book in your Bible is written by a murderer and an adulterer. And then people find fault with people that were used to, to bring us the words that we had today. Guys, think about that. Moses that writes the first five books in your Bible. You know what the guy does? He kills a guy out of his anger and then runs for, for, for he gets out of Dodge. What kind of great man of God is that? God used him. You know what that shows you? God can bring a, a pure thing out of an impure question that job asks look if you would at revelation chapter number 17 revelation 17 words 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 over and over and over not my general ideas not the overall thought but words <laughs> and he references those words as being pure look at revelation 17 Verse number 15, he saith unto me, the waters which thou sawest where the horse sitteth are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues and the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast. Uh, the, uh, these shall hate the whore, talking about these, these kingdoms and shall make her desolate and naked and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. For God hath put it in their hearts to fulfill his will and to agree and give their kingdom unto the beast until the what? Words of God shall be fulfilled. You know what that is? We would call that prophecy. And we learned last time we looked at this that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. God's character is to communicate, to reveal himself through his words. Words that were spoken and words that were written and words that were published in a book and words that were preserved by God for every perpetual generation after that. You know what that tells me? God puts his word in a very high esteem. You know what he says? I, in Psalm 138, I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for the loving kindness and for thy truth. Why? Why? For thou hast magnified thy word above thy name. At the name of Jesus, every knee's going to bow and every tongue's going to confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. That is the most powerful name in all the universe. At his name, the devils flee. We would agree with that. 
And yet, you know what he says? He says he's ma- God has magnified his word above that. Why? Because if the thing that I'm giving you to tell me about me is not pure, you can't trust me. You see, this is a lot bigger than just which translation is right. It, it goes a lot deeper than that. It, it says in Isaiah, seek ye out of the book of the Lord. How can you do that if you don't have it? Can I remind you that the battle today is for God's words? It's where it's at. Uh, I think I shared the story with you, and I'll, I'll share it again. One time I'm at a wedding, and the guy, the preacher that's kind of uh, officiating the service, you know, talks about the word submit, and, you know, in the original Greek, it really doesn't mean what we think it means. And uh, submission doesn't mean basically what the definition of submission is. Why do you do that? Well, there's a lot of people out there who give a lot of money, and they don't want to hear that old-fashioned submission stuff. So we got to change it. How do you do that? Well, you tell them, well, the original doesn't... Listen, let me... When I go from Spanish to English, or I go from English to Spanish, I can, I can decide. I could use five words for certain words, going from one language to another. When you do that from Afrikaans, do you not find the same thing? Cindy, when you go from English to Southern, don't you find the same thing? <laughs> A million, a million. That's a three-syllable word right there. A million. You understand what I'm saying? And and, and so and so what I'm what I'm getting at is this: is that that game is a game that a lot of people play, but it's not an honest game. Because God either supernaturally preserved the words that He wanted us to have, or He didn't. The devil. Can I can I can I remind you of this, guys? God has a church. The devil has a church. God has a bride, the devil has a bride, Revelation 17. God has a spirit, and the devil has an unclean spirit, Revelation 13. God has a baptism, and the devil has a baptism that makes people think that they're saved by getting sprinkled. You understand that the devil imitates everything that God does. So why would he not imitate his words? Look at 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. You know, when the devil shows up, he's got two jobs when it comes to the Word of God. He wants you to doubt it, and he wants to corrupt it. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Amen. That's right. 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Is this making sense? So you got the Word, Jesus, and then you got the Word because you have the words. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Look, if you would, at verse 14. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed to an angel of light. You ever heard someone say, I was going into this light? You know? And, and there was no judgment. It was just peace and love. You know? And, and, and they told me that Grandma was happy, and they... You know, you don't... I mean, I, I, I don't know. Like, if, if it doesn't line up with the Bible, I'm sorry, but I... I'm not going to agree with your vision, right? Why? Because the devil himself wants to deceive you. You know what the devil will say to a young man? You got to have it. You got to have it. You got to have it. Just one more hit. Just one more touch. Just one more look. You got to have it. No, you don't. But he'll tell you that. And the Spirit of God will tell you, don't look, get out, back out. Well, these are my friends. No, they're not. Your friends are the ones who are going to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. You see, the devil is always trying to make you feel things and, and kind of make you doubt what God actually said. Look, if you would at verse 15. Well, I think just for the young men, you young ladies will think, well, I know he really loves me. And so I'll, I'll give him my body. Sister, if he ain't willing to put a ring on it and pay your bills, you don't give him anything. Amen, amen and amen and amen. But you know what happened? The devil make you think, well, this is the one. He ain't the one if he's not willing to talk to your dad. He ain't the one if he's not willing to pay your bills. He ain't the one if he, listen, if he goes into marriage going, well, this is your car and, and what do you pay for it? And, and, and you know what? It costs this much and that's your... Uh, no, man, I'm taking care of you. You got a problem with that? Take it up with God. I didn't write the book. 
whenever you get married, gentlemen, it's your job to take care of her. Plus nothing. Don't add anything to that. And so you know what will happen, young ladies? A guy will get you thinking, well, I just, I, if I really love him, then I'll do this. You'll feel sick to your stomach when it's all over. But the devil will make you think you need it. Why? He imitates everything. You realize that everything that, that you, that I just listed, all those things, drugs, alcohol, sex before marriage, fornicate, you know what all that stuff is? It's a cheap imitation of the real thing. You can have joy and you can have peace and you can have a new heights, amen? You can have a, a walk with God that brings you high. I don't mean like, like that high, but I mean like a high that legitimately makes you feel like, man, I'm walking on cloud nine. And I don't have to go down when I'm done. Let me ask you this. If you think that I, what I'm saying is wrong, and you think, well, I can, I can quit preacher. I'm not addicted, then stop. I can do it whenever I want. Okay. Do it. Well, I don't need to. I mean, God's okay with it. Where's that in the book? Either this is the final authority for your life, or it isn't. What I'm trying to get at is simple. I just use it as an illustration, all right? Don't get all mad at me because you live in Colorado and everybody smokes weed, all right? <laughs> all, all I'm saying, don't, don't, listen, you need to spend more, more time in the black book than the green dragon, amen? <laughs> uh, but what, what I'm trying to simply get at is this, is that the devil is always trying to imitate what God does. Look at verse 15. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers... So the devil has ministers? Yeah. They walk around saying stupid things like God is queer and God is straight and God is a woman and God is a man and God is a... You say, I wish you'd be nicer. Find another church. I'm not going to apologize for it. That's stupid. You know what? You know what's so funny about this? You wouldn't have a problem if I got up and said... Some of you get more offended with the fact that I call something something someone said stupid than the fact that what they're saying is wicked. Blows my mind. You guys ever read the old the Bible? You ever see what Jeremiah said and Jeremiah did? You'd think I'm a light foot, man. You you think, man, brother, Pastor Adrian's really just way too easy on people. You ever look at John the Baptist? If someone came to church and said, Preacher, I want to get right with God, you know I'd say, Praise God, I'm so glad you're here. You know what John the Baptist would do? Prove it! <laughs> Bring therefore fruit meets for repentance, Richard. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> but he did. <laughs> And you're like, oh, I love John the Baptist. You don't love John the Baptist. You'd hate him if he was your pastor. <laughs> you know, it's really weird. Here's, here's an, I'll just give a couple th- closing thoughts. It's funny because this is an archaic Bible. And you, you just understood everything I just said. Isn't it funny if people have modern Bibles, they're always talking about the original languages and trying to talk about how much they know and use big words. I think that's funny. Maybe you don't. I do. All right. Look at verse 15. Therefore, it's no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Um, now, if I hadn't opened this, Richard, would you drink some if you were thirsty? If I hadn't drinking of it yet? Okay. What if I got a bottle from East, Pal- East Palestine, Ohio? A wa- some water from East Palestine, Ohio. Who wants some of that? Why? What if I told you 99% of it was okay? You wouldn't do it. But a lot of Christians would read the words from a book that aren't God's pure words and wouldn't think twice about it. You know what I'm trying to get you to do? I'm trying to get you to stand back and go, wow, look at what God did just so he could speak to me amazing let's stop there father we thank you so much for the word tonight we have a chance to study your book god help us to live closer to you help us to live by it or help us to walk by it or help us to hide these words in our hearts and god help us just to reverence to approach with humility lord you and the, the medium the vehicle that you gave us to know you would you help us to approach that with more humility God to to trust or the same God that spoke the world into existence could speak these words and supernaturally preserve them for us. God, we thank you for that. 
it's a miracle. We live in a world of so many voices, so many voices, and, and, and constant bombardment of noise and images and everything else. It's a blessing to open this up. And Lord, to let it speak to us, Lord, and I, I pray that it would. Lord, I, I pray that you would speak to us, Lord, not just tonight, but every day through these words. Lord, there's some decisions that some of your people have to make, and I don't know what they all are, um, but I pray that they would lean on these words. Lord, there's some relationships that they're trying to figure out. There's future things they're trying to weigh out. God, I pray that you speak to them through your word. Lord, we love you, and thank you for our gathering tonight. God, I pray that you'd bless, Lord, uh, not just as we go home tonight, but as we look into these other things and to the building and all that. God, I pray that you would uh, give us wisdom in that. Lord, we love you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for coming out tonight. Lord willing, we'll see you Sunday.